Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. Our current series is entitled A Man's Guide to Spiritual Disciplines. We are being led by Milton Redeker, our men's ministry coordinator, Renee Rivera, and Eric Reeve, the minister to married young adults and men at Houston's First Baptist Church. To find out more about our men's ministry, please visit us on the web at houstonsfirst.org. We hope that this podcast is a blessing to you, and we'll see you soon. You may be for the rain that's happened, Lord, and the rain that's coming. And God, we just ask that tonight that you prepare our hearts and we're receptive to your word in this discipline about fellowship. May we lift up our brother Eric, a leader uh, who has been injured. And God, we just ask that uh, you heal him quickly, uh, give him relief from the pain. And God, also, uh, we thank you for an incredible weekend at Choye. Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen. Well, guys, I'm glad to be back, but i got to let you know, man, i still got whelps from paintball. Uh, from the paintball. I was out with Pastor Greg, and I was covering those. I had his six, so to speak, and, man, I got whelped because everybody wanted to shoot him. So I think I'm a little bit bigger than Pastor Greg in girth and height, and I got hit. Hey, today's spiritual topic, spiritual discipline, is fellowship. So before we get into it, any of y'all have an idea of what fellowship is? What is fellowship? Any thoughts on that? A gathering, a gathering of people, a gathering, gathering of okay. godly people. Gathering of godly people. You know, it could be uh, sharing, sharing a common purposes. Gathering of worship. Or you just don't want to do worship. Yeah, gathering of <laughs> gathering of worship. To worship. Yeah. Another one on there would probably say gathering to learn, learn more, and learn, learn about God's purposes. To learn fellowship, learning more in fellowship. Helping one another. Helping? Okay. Milton's bright and fast enough. <laughs> Helping? Helping one another. <laughs> Anything else? Have they got the scriptures in front of them? Not yet. You could cheat. Actually, it's very good. I mean, yeah. godly people, common purpose, worship, learning, helping. So before we go to the why, this one struck me, helping one another, encouraging. Does anybody have a story they want to share about where they received help from another person? Or encouragement? Yeah, yeah me, it was um, the um, a friend of the family that married me, my wife. He was um, he was a pastor, of, uh, I think he was a pastor, a teacher. Uh-huh. And uh, his goal was that he married us, we'd have to go through a marriage class for, for a month, every week, once a week, or I think it was for two months. Right. Went to his house, and I wasn't really a Christian then at all. And he kept, you know, but his his whole thing about marriage is about the Bible and reading Scripture, telling us what marriage is for. Uh-huh. And I was bombarding with questions because I was new, but he kind of like was a mentor leading me um, towards God right. by us going to his house once a week and it was mostly going into for the marriage part because he wanted to marry us unless we did that right. but then with him teaching everything from the Bible about marriage was that 
Okay, that, that was in the beginning point of me being saved. The beginning point. So that was the the inoculation, so to speak. Huh? Yeah, the, the, the opening of the can. The opening of the can. Any others? Helping someone, helping you, encouraging you? Giving help is really good too. I, help, I enjoy helping other people by giving help. Absolutely. It absolutely is. And you did it through fellowship, right? Exactly. All right. Well, in front of you are some scriptures, right? Yes. Milton? Yeah. You have some scriptures in front of you. It's entitled Biblical Foundations for Fellowship. Well, we've given our opinion up here of what worship is. Now I'm going to give you some scriptures. Fellowship. Our fellowship. What did I say? Worship. worship. You're, you're well, way back there. <laughs> I saw the word worship. Up there. Yeah. Fellowship. That fellowship is a word that kind of sounds ungodly, so to speak. Worldly fellowship. The world didn't invent fellowship. The Lord God Himself did that. So I want you to take some time. And what we've underlined there. What are the benefits, characteristics, and Washington these scriptures? We're going to give you about five minutes. And I'm going to ask each of you to just, I think you'll take time to go, every one of you, I'm going to assign each of you a scripture. But if every one of you will go through these and see what benefits, characteristics, and warnings for fellowship are in these scriptures. So do that right now. That's your assignment now for about the next five or six minutes. Pens down. All right, Bill, can I help you out here? Go ahead. All right. You had ten verses there. So let me, let me give the genesis of this real quick. We were talking about fellowship, and we met yesterday, and Milton came up and said, hey man, I got all these verses here. And we were just like, you know what, you're right. That was just amazing. So we sat and prayed, we had lunch, and Milton brought the verses up and we were discussing this. And he said, you know what, these verses speak volumes. And from there we found a theme. The benefits, characteristics, and warnings. And that, that's the genesis of this little exercise. It's, it's a formidable exercise and one that's, that's needed. So Throw them up here, man. Give me the words. Carry benefits, characters, or warnings. Give me a benefit. Or any, any BCW. Encouragement. Encouragement? Would that be a benefit? Yeah. Okay. Very first one. To stimulate one another. Is that a characteristic or a benefit? Both. It's a benefit. Might be a warning in some places. Yeah. But it's a really a characteristic. <laughs> what I'm marking. Stimulate. Characteristic? Characteristic. Yeah, the stimulation will be the characteristic. Stimulation, right? Yeah. There's also a warning in that same verse that don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That's a warning. Stimulation could be a positive and a negative way. Yeah, and that's, and that's, that's where the warnings, because once again, it teaches, as a, you know, your fellowship, the problem with it though is that you have some people who teach to run kind of the wrong message. So, look at the Bible to your your own opinion. I would say warnings would be opinion too. Opinion, opinions would be other ones. People give their own opinions on what they believe, what this says. Okay? We're going to come back to simulation here. That's important. What are the benefits and characters or, or things you saw in the scriptures? You can cheat. You can look back at the scriptures. The second verse in Acts 2.42. They were, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. And fellowship, that's a characteristic. So, how about devotion, right? Yeah. I have to remind Nelson that he's a teacher. Devotion. <laughs> <laughs> what was the benefit of that? Breaking bread. Breaking bread. bread. Is that a benefit? So, yeah. Yeah, the benefit would be not breaking bread. Okay. And praying together, right? Yeah. So prayer. Breaking bread and prayer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we think prayer would be a characteristic? How do we do this? Benefits it's prayer. prayer. It's also benefit. 
But let's do oh. let's do let's let's what's this? Meditation. I mean that in the sense of in spell right. I'm gonna say this prayer and, and scripture. The one thing I don't want it would be Actually um, that's a benefit. What's a benefit? It could be both. Right. Okay, anything else? I would say first that was one big thing that I think I read personal interest on the warnings. Personal interest? Yeah, personal interest. You keep that going really back falls. to that, and we're going to address that. That really falls under uh, where it says there's a third one. Do nothing but selfishness or empty conceit. So warning, selfishness? Yeah, yeah it's a warning. Well, it depends on your personal interest. Yeah. I'd say the first one, consider again. Let us consider. So consider could be a characteristic. Considerations? Considerations. And the benefit would be discernment. Consider. Oh, yeah. Considerations. Okay. Discernment. And there's a warning there in Second Corinthians. Do not be bound with unbelievers. Yeah, that's what confused me a little bit on that. Because you got a lot of people who come to church right. that take Bible classes who aren't believers. So, so let's unpack uh, that. We're gonna, know, that's one thing that I'm kind of confused about. That little bit. So let's unpack that. In the stimulation, you brought this up, and you also brought personal interests up. When we're, when we're talking about fellowship moving forward, guys, we're in church, so we're talking about Christocentric. Christ-centered fellowship. Eric Green reminded Milton and I yesterday that the center of this fellowship, this fellowship we're talking about, is the cross. It is a Christ-centered fellowship because we can have fellowship. Now we're men, but we're men, so I'm going to use a tone here. We can have fellowship at Hooters, and Christ is not at the center of that. Okay, we can have fellowship at a football game, and Christ may not be the center of that. Now we're talking about the GM6. You got the invitation, the GM6 got my six. We're talking about a circle of three, two to three guys, peers that are your friends. There's a larger circle there, 12 guys. Jesus, using the 12, the number of 12, as the, as the disciples that he, that he uh, counseled, right? Counseled and, and trained. In those 12, one deceived him, one betrayed him. So, and my circle of friends, uh, I, I didn't want to get to this early, but my three, my, three godly, my three men that are close to me that I can accountable to and transparent to are godly men. There's not, there is no non-Christian in that group of three. In your circle of influence of 12, it's okay to have, I believe, a counsel of an ungodly man. And I say ungodly, unsaved. Not ungodly in the sense of decadent. Big difference. Okay? Someone who's not saved. And I'll share my personal opinion on that. But you need to reach out to the lost. You need to be an impression upon them. Now, yoking yourself with a non-believer, going to a place that is unsavory, that is not what part of your Christian walk, is what this scripture is warning against. Am I right? Am I correct, Milton? Yeah. Let me give you a good example of that. Just today, I had lunch with a pastor, with our pastor, and one of the guys that stayed after the lunch, he gave the Speaking today down in High Point, I think that's what we call it. Downtown? Downtown. Yeah. And he spoke. And one of the guys, there's two guys, stayed around and talked to him after it's over. And they stayed and they stayed. Well, I was ready to go. They stayed and they stayed. We got a car and he said, let me tell you about one of the guys that was there. He said, we went all the way through school, high school together. He said, he's a Catholic, Kevin. He said, he's a Catholic. And he said, he is still not a Christian. And I said, you mean since high school, you've been dealing with this guy? 
Jalen, he's in my circle. And he's constantly asking me questions. And his Catholicism is keeping him from accepting Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And so he talked a long time to the pastor today. After he said, he's getting really, really close. I said, how many years are we talking about here? He said, well, I don't know, probably 15, 20 years that he's been in his circle. So, the guy's unsaved, but he is still a friend. He still fellowships with the pastor. Does that help? I think, too, I can see where you're coming at it. Thank you for explaining that to me because... It says, when I, the reason why I put personal interest on there for, because it says that in the scripture right there, that part there, um, do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also the interest for others. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point of warning because, you know, some people might do something just to benefit themselves, right. and it crash and stuff like that, which is something that's not, you're supposed to be helping everybody else out, not just helping yourself out. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe someone's trying to do it to become more influenced in the church. Absolutely. So, yeah. To a point where that's that was why I put personal interest on him more than anything else because I think that's a, a a big point for a lot of people because when I was young and I was going to class and they tried to, to wing me as a young kid, you know, these teachers were teaching things then that now I've learned was totally wrong. You know, and they actually drew me away from God and from learning about the Bible when I was young because there was so much kind of things they were teaching which did not make any sense to me. But the pastor told me that dinosaur bones were planted by the devil because they didn't very distant. And, and, and I was dumb. I was like, wait a minute now. You know, we got all the proof. How can that be? And all that kind of nonsense. And he was a pastor. He was running a church in Massachusetts. And, you know, my mom just took me there because she just wanted to drop us off on a Sunday morning. She was taking you know, my mom and dad to go out and do something. And um, it just threw me away from the Bible for a long time. You know, for a very long time of my young life. Those false teachers that you yeah. should talk about. And, and, that also, and, and you know, and that's a, a kind of thing that I guess talks about a little bit. Teaching not from the Bible, but teaching from the personal interest. So what you do, the personal conviction. Yeah. Would, would I be arguing, you know, circle, semantics, if I said, well, look, is that, like you said, I remember in Catholic school somebody was praising Holy Therese. And I said, well, wait a minute. She's doing what she wants to do with her self-interest. See, to an external observer, she looks pious, but I'm doing something I don't even want to be doing. I don't even want to be here with you people studying this stuff. You know, because I I don't think you're on the right track with it, especially with children, you know. And... um, not now, back then. Yeah, this is high school. I'm not making a lot of stuff. I just want to clarify because I, I mean, I don't think yeah. you should take kids and beat the Jesus out of them because they can't understand their second degree right. polynomial or something. Right. That's what they did then. But my point is, is, you know, this whole thing about your own personal interests, how do you make. I mean, if you make somebody else's interest your interest, then that's something, right? But if you go into something interested in it, and to an external observer, you look like you're doing good, but you're actually just doing what you want to be doing. Whereas a person who's who's out digging a hole in his neighbor's backyard trying to help his neighbor 
fix the plumbing and you know look to my knees and muck mm -hmm. you know and, and poop and all you know is that self-interest or is that that'd be a brotherly love yeah so I mean that would that would be well, that's I think that point where I'm talking here when it says um, um, don't be able to look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Right. Meaning that when you teach, like what you all do is uh, you listen and you listen to everything what everybody says, and you say, I'm not sure that's what the scripture says. And it's kind of like not your personal opinion, but it's what the Bible says. And I think that's a big part of it, too. That you're helping a neighbor out, not for your own interest, but to help him out. Yeah, and my, and my reward is to get accolades on the back and say, hey, Renee, you did great by you know, standing in the muck and. Then I receive my reward. But if 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 my if my interest is to help them because they're in need, then then you know that is then no one can question that. So what are you other legitimate motivation for it is to position yourself to have the opportunity to share the gospel. Amen. Amen. I've been doing that work for this award too. Yeah, and it's be a little nervous because I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not like we were talking about one class where I can't just read scripture and scripture right up my back of my mind. Right. I'm not that type of person. You know, I have a tough time remembering in school. But one thing I've learned is people see it through through how I am. All customers I sell who start talking about church and stuff like that, the Bible. I'm getting more open now talking to people about what I believe, and I'm right. afraid to do it. It's awesome. And that's just something that. It's really good. Kevin, as a follow-up, I told the pastor about you growing up at the church. I said, I know the very guy that can help your friend get beyond that barrier. And I said, Kevin, what? He said, tell him to see me sometime or just walk up and say, I'm the guy that's going to help your friend. So follow up on that. No pressure, Kevin. No, no. It's all, it's all, it's all the Holy Spirit. So. I've already been... Uh, Grace by, by yeah. grace. Well, I knew you wouldn't mind because I know you're very strong about your convictions coming from Catholic over into Christianity. Fantastic. And this guy needs to hear your testimony. Uh, my personal guess is I, I like working with technology. Yeah. And, uh, and I enjoy helping you to help other people. So yeah, definitely. That's a different perspective of right. personal guess. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really good. So warnings mean, too, it's warnings, but it's not saying bad. Personal interest can actually fall into kind of self-preservation or characteristics yeah. too, mm -hmm. in a positive way. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying it's a warning. This warning means like opinions. Opinions yeah. sometimes could fall into good thing, but the warning is they fall into bad thing. So it's a lot of warnings, but you know either. I have a self-interest to become a better man of God every day. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, I, I, there's I, only one that's totally warning out of that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Fundamental point. I always hear the word yoke. You're talking about marriage or you're talking about yoke. Twice or whatever. Yeah. When you say you yoke yourself to someone or something, are you saying you, you're, you're married to it or you're bound to them in some way? Or in some sense, yes. You don't want to yoke as far as you're saying jumping the fence. Same ball. Okay. Yeah. And also, that catches them and they can't go over the fence because it gets caught in the fence. If you yoke yourself to a brother, it's the same thing as a yoke. It keeps them from jumping the fence, jumping into something that they should be in. A man is known by the counsel of his friends. So, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, my best friend is 
I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Always work. But you know what's you know what's weird about that is that once they just buy it, it's going to happen to him, and he's going to start thinking of you. And that weak point's going to happen sometime, hopefully, and then also he's going to be, that's when you'll be able to have that breakthrough because you've been work, working with him for such a long time. Everybody goes through a weak point. Any other benefits that come out of the scripture? Great discussion. Any other benefits? Uh, characteristics? Become a uh, become a stronger Christian. That's all the last scripture. Ecclesiastes, back here on the back page, that whole scripture is benefits. Oh, yeah, the big thing is that it's, it's making each other stronger. Because that's true, when you got two, three people, you're, you're actually, you're, you're fellowshipping, making yourself stronger, because you're always stronger in numbers um, with anything out there. You know, look at, I'm not, I'm not using football, but a team is a lot stronger than one or two strong players. You get a team atmosphere, you get to win Super Bowls. You get up four awesome superstars and eight average plays, but when you, when you have a bigger gathering, I believe it makes it stronger. You think you have more, you have more strength in numbers than you do at one or two or by yourself. As bizarre as it was, I'm thinking about that little skit that unleashed retreat with Chad Overton. <laughs> when he was up there by himself, they had three guys with clubs, uh, and he could only keep them being beaten by the clubs for like three seconds by himself, but when they could. A row of guards in front of him. And they put a row of four guys in front of him. This whole scripture. Yeah. This whole scripture reminded me. Have any of you ever seen a rugby? When the ball goes down, they all grab grab around one another and they huddle around the ball where nobody can get to it. That's a picture of rugby. I think that's a powerful statement, though. Two two about one, and he explains the reason why one falls down. You can pick the other person up, toss them off. Where one can be by itself, you fall down. Or you're much stronger with more than one person. Right. You know, even during that, you have to defend yourself. It's easier to defend yourself with two or three people behind you than by yourself. And I think that's a really strong thing for fellowship. The more you're gathering, the, the stronger you are in learning. Do you, do you, and in some of those benefits and characteristics, do you all see friendship in any of those? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So friendship, yeah. Um, I think one of the words that he used at Choye was building. Remember building? Yes, they do. Um, camaraderie. I spell it com ra com a. Hey, Roderick. Yeah. Both of you. I was going to say, hey, that guy writes for a living, doesn't he? Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> what was that? Spell check. Spell check. Yeah. Check. Yeah. Encouragement. I think one thing that comes to me is when I thought about the team thing was isolation and division. There's a statement, you know, divide and conquer. There's a reason for that. Going back to the analogy you were talking about, the, the, the skip they did at Show Yet. If you yes. one other thing, warnings, I'm not trying to jump into the. Uh, no, 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 no. This the, is participate uh, on unfruitful deeds of darkness. Uh, that's one thing we'll talk about. A lot of friends who might not be saved or want to go and do crazy things. 
don't hang around with that crowd no more. Or I would say warnings don't hang around with ungodly people. Or, or especially if they want to do something like go out and do something stupid. Right. Absolutely. Pretty much, you know, you, you don't do those things anymore. The Bible says you're dead to it. If you're if you're if you're a, if you're a Christian, you're dead to the to the old self. You're dead to it. Uh, ungod, ungodly friends. The fellowship. Fellowship is, is characterized by its fruits, guys. Well, first, uh, one of the scriptures on the back that says found in First John it says that if we say we have fellowship with the Lord and we're still walking in darkness, we're liars. Yeah, we lie and don't lie to the Yeah, that's a characteristic. Yeah, that's a fruit, right? Lying. Yeah. And it's so tough too, guys. I'm 39. And I don't know, but I'm 39, and I still have friends of mine that, that it's like when you become a saint when you're 20 and 29, you still have a history behind you, and I know God washed them all out. It's tough for me sometimes when I have old friends of mine or people like saying, well, if you call me up and want to go out for a night, and I know in my mind it's going to lead to trouble, but they're still, you know, they're still, my, my, my stuff pulls sometimes towards that, and I have to fight it's not as easy, you know, but it's true. God tells you not to do it in the lives out of your life. But it's not easy. It's just not something like to say, oh, this is what it says, I'm not doing it. Because then sometimes your bad things always pull you in a different direction. Well, yeah, when I deal with them, I'm a different person. They've come with me. I like to know. You know, it's going to have to erase every phone, you know, every. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like, like I said, I got this one guy, I mean, I've known this guy forever, and he, you know, he freely uses four-letter words, basically, right. the name of Christ, so, you know, he's, and I always try and... Sentence enhancers. It's, yeah, sentence yes. enhancers, I mean, it's, it's, really, it's just there. What I don't understand about life, in general, if you think about this as a Christian, mm-hmm. what is the, and for all the non-Christians in the world... What is the worst? What is the most used curse word in the world? When people get mad, yeah. they use that Lord and Savior's name every single time. Everybody does. Even people who don't even know what Jesus Christ. Somebody comes out of their mouth like mm-hmm. they know him. And, and I think about that line, but this seems like that's done on purpose. It's, it's, it's the, uh, the, the evil one. It's from the pit of hell. Yeah, just to mm-hmm. just to mock. Mm-hmm. The name of our Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. Even I, as a younger person, would use that. Oh, but something was wrong. I just used right. that name right. out of nowhere, right. and I don't even know why. You know, I look at the past. Of what, you know, why was that considered a curse word? Why would I even say it when I didn't even know who the man was? And now I think about it, though, and that's probably something that that Satan himself has put into the world right. to curse. God's son. It's amazing as I, as I hear guys talking. We're talking about struggling with old friendships and old fellowships, and because they define us. But each on the side, there's a need for us to have that. Either with, 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 with female companion, but it's a deep need. If you look at Genesis chapter two, verse eighteen, it said, "It is not for good for man to be alone. It is not for good for man to be alone. We were not created. I mean, solitary confinement." It's a punishment. We're not created to be alone. Period. That's what I don't understand about the, the Catholic beliefs. I was born a Catholic right. belief. Right. They make the priests um, and the nuns um, totally 
dismiss any alliance with, their, with the opposite sex in their whole history, mm-hmm. and then you see all the craziness that happens because of that, all the bad things that happen to it. We're not wired that way. No. We're not wired that way at all. We're not wired that way. The last one, you know, you talk about sexual desires, it's for survival as well. I mean, we, 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 we crave fellowship for survival. If you look at Ecclesiastes, again, 4, 9 through 12, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. Verse 10. For if either felt falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Number verse 11. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But, but how can one person alone keep warm? And verse 12. And if anyone overpowers one person, who two can resist him? A cord of three strands is not easily broken. I mean, you go back to the analogy that you used at, uh, at Cheryl Yeh. That was just, that was just, that metaphor was just amazing. So let me ask you this. We're not made to be alone. What are the dangers of being alone? What are the dangers of being alone? Isolation. Isolation? Okay. Got it here. Doing what you want. Huh? Doing what you want. Doing what you want? Could be the man who's to be pitied falls and has no one to go. <laughs> <laughs> Another one I would say on there is very lonely from a depression. Isolation. Ironically, isolation breeds depression. Mm-hmm. That would be much covered kind of all depression. Pity. I would say maybe even hate. I would say you said uh, anything you want to do. How about uh, uncontrolled? Uncontrolled. How about the word hate? Because when he's alone and everything else, I would say not negative. Just I would say not hatred. I would say blaming society for all his problems. So anyway, when you're alone, so depression, yeah, is inner anger. Might be that, yeah. Depression is inner anger. But I think I know what you're going for. Scornful. Yeah, it is. Exactly. That's cynical. Could lead to suicide too. Well, that would be a depression. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I, no, I think I don't put it up there because it's not wrong. But you know, I think I think when you get by yourself um, in isolation, it can lead to fantasies. Mm-hmm. There's a lack of accountability. No accountability. Okay. Making up your own God. Think about um, notorious criminals and these guys that made really heinous crimes. Mm-hmm. They're almost all loners. Yep, that's true. The most recent one is the uh, the gentleman that, uh, not to be sorted here, that videotaped the woman through the door, people, uh, the sportscaster. Yeah. Divorced by himself. Lived in a house by himself. Quiet. No one had an issue with him. Everyone was shocked. Lived in a affluent neighborhood. Jews are always the quiet ones, the lonely ones, the ones right. that... Most of the time, so let's unpack this because we're. I mean, if you look at Hebrews twelve one through four, open your Bibles to Hebrews twelve one through four, and I want to go back to an interesting, very interesting, I thought was a very challenging message by Don Mutton about two ruse. Hebrews chapter twelve verses one through four. Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles us and run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. 
For consider him who endured such hostilities from sinners against himself, so that you, what, won't grow weary and lose heart. In struggling against sin, you have not resisted the point of shedding your blood. So, chapter Hebrews 12, 1-4. Weary, and I would say hopeless. Faint, yeah. Uh, Don made a comment from Cho Yang. He said, a man alone is in the danger zone. And he used a scripture where he presented the man on the mat, the paralytic man on the mat, with his three or four friends that tore the roof apart, the shingles. And in contrast, they were on a roof, they ripped through the roof, and they lowered the man down, and their buddy got sealed and saved. Yeah. Yeah. Contrast that to David, King David, alone on the roof, sinned and lusted after Bathsheba. That's just, that's really an incredible difference, a delta between the two there. So, any thoughts on that? Any, any thoughts? I thought that was amazing, but any thoughts on what are the dangers of going it alone? That's one thing, too, that this thing said is that when you go in alone, even if you're a Christian, mm-hmm. let's take this out of the equation, this is all for people who are non right. on this. But even as a Christian who believe in Christ, when you're alone, when you fall, um, when you, well, I'm talking about like suicide. Right, right, right. Like yeah. But when you fall and stuff bad things happen to you, when you when you move more than two or three people, they can actually pick you up and 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 um, and help you out because somebody dealt to you. But when you're alone, that's when the, the evil that the Satan I think can really pick you apart because right. you got no one to go to. Right. Even even when you have Christ in your heart, it's still tough yeah. when, you do, when you have no one else to go to. You know, so much stronger when you got more than one person behind you, especially Christian, you know, Christian people. Those are two words that stood out to me, exposed and no cover when I was doing paintball. But if you're on your own, it's true. You're exposed and you're alone. Also, there was a word that was put up here when we were talking about fellowship, about discernment. As Christians, we still need to be discernible about the counsel we receive from fellow Christians. Again, why should we pursue spiritual why should we pursue fellowship as a spiritual discipline? Why should we pursue fellowship as a spirit? Do you know what we're fellowshipping right here? This is Christocentric fellowship. It protects us. It protects us. It helps us. It encourages us. Um, I go back and I was asked to, to, to retell the story. Um, my relationship with nine years of three guys. Uh, I, for nine years I've been meeting with three guys, Christian men, that have allowed me to become a better husband, a better Christian, a better businessman less of a jerk because I am a jerk okay stronger man in many ways accountable these guys I am transparent to I am honest with and uh, they come in different forms one is a lawyer one's in education one's in legal not a lawyer one's a deacon one's going to be one won't be just by the biblical standards of what it is to be a deacon you won't be a deacon but they all love Jesus more than I've been doing for nine years. These guys, like I said at the, at the retreat, I would eat dirt in a foxhole with. Just love these guys to death. They have got my back. And they tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. They tell me when I'm mean. They tell me when I'm wrong. But they also... They celebrate with me. They pray, they, 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 we enjoy things together. We have interests. And we have, and, and it all came out of just meeting on a weekly basis with these guys. It's not legalistic, and I was sure it's not the picture I'm painting for you. It's not legalistic accountability. Hey, man, what did you do last week? It ain't that. It's beyond that. It's deeper than that. 
And it's not a mentorship argument, like an old man to a young man. These are peers. These are guys that are, that are three or four years my age. We're, we're in that circle. One, one's in his second marriage. One has six kids. One has two girls. I have two boys. One has one girl. You know, so just different phases in life. And these guys sharpen me every time I talk to them. And I can call them on a dime, and I'd be there for them. And, and that's, that's the GM6 model, guys. That's what we're moving toward, the GM6. Got my six. So I can go to the guys and go check my six, guys. Check six. And they'll check and see how we're doing. How are we doing? How are we doing? And sometimes they'll lead the way. Sometimes I'll lead the way. Yeah, and I, I, the number three thing is coming up, too. Um, we had David McCann that was in here earlier. Right. He's one of my guys. Awesome. to have Dave Salisbury. Mm-hmm. He, he just moved exactly. uh, to Fort Worth. But now Mark Reister, is, he, he was totally stoked up by the retreat. And I had to talk him into going to the retreat. <laughs> well, now he's going to start joining them. Fantastic. Three strands. And the other thing that happens with that, too, is on any given week, inevitably people have stuff come up, but if you've got three guys, the chances of any two still being available so you don't miss it entirely. Right. Maybe one of those guys is, is really mean at that point. Exactly. You don't miss it. Right. That's exactly right. We a fourth guy in, too, another guy from our Sunday school. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm bringing in a fourth guy too. He happens to be a Sunday school teacher and a deacon. He's come in and filtered in, and he's someone that that stuck around, and he's asking for it, and it it, it happened. Kind of like when you met your wife, it happened. You know, it's kind of, and it's just one of those things. It just happens. The biggest problem I have is that living so far away, can't really get together with anybody at the church. Most people at the church live close to the church. Live all the way in Conroe and you have to work in sales. That's my biggest problem. It's getting more believers I can hang out with that live near where I live at. And that's realistically, I don't have that right now. Most yeah, of people I have friends at work, um, most of them are like if they're believers, they're not really into their faith that much. Right. And, and that's right. the only problem I have. So, Martin, it's stronger. So, do you need to have someone from the church, or can you start a men's group up there? That's what I'm trying to figure out to do. You know, I'm saying, I mean, we can start, but we'd have to meet new people. Another group with the church to go to where we live at. Okay. We live so far north. So that's what we're going to eventually. So GM6 is going to equip you and help you with that, because there are guys in your area that are craving. There are a bunch of guys in Pearland. I didn't know this. There's a bunch of young men in Pearland, and there's two men's group that meet on Wednesday nights in Pearland. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's two groups to meet in Pearland. We didn't even know about it. There's, a lot, there's another Wednesday morning Bible study, other than mine, that, that Mark and I's Bible study that meet as well. But it's men's groups. So we're running out of time here. I don't want, I don't want to beleaguer, beleaguer this. But what should happen when men truly fellowship? And these are some things that should come out of it: exhortation to be challenged, challenged every day, sharpening each other. Okay, encouragement. Same time lifting you up. I don't think in the tw- in the six weeks that we've been meeting together, seven weeks now, that we have ever beat y'all up. We want to encourage you. And lastly, accountability. Not alone. No Lone Ranger stuff. It doesn't exist. The Lone Ranger and Rambo were fictional. Okay, they were fictional. And the Lone Ranger still had Tonto. All right. 
and Rambo still had his bow and arrow. Okay. Eh, well, you know, I'm reaching, but you got it. Yeah, that's right. What was that? Yeah, the colonel. The colonel. The colonel. Okay. Yes. Okay. Fellowship is known by its fruits, and Eric Reed again reminded us that the cross is at the center of this fellowship. So exhortation, encouragement, and accountability. Not alone. You're three. It's also biblical, guys. Christ is the example of a biblical man that we talked about, that being the self-actualized man, the loving man, the strong man, the man of endurance that we talked about in the beginning of the first week. He also had three men. Three men that he showed himself to, his, his essence on a mountain. The same men he asked in the garden to get somebody to pray for him. Those three men. One happened to be a rock. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, so, for example, three men that are backing you up, uh, they say that the other three are the ones that backing him up, or would this guy actually have maybe you, but two others outside? You know, one, one of the sense are going to be deeper than the other. For instance, my relationship with the one guy that I, that I joke about leaving at base camp, I've known him longer. He and I are tighter. And, yeah, but I can't reach him all the time. So the other guy's got me. Alan's got me. Yeah, one's going to be tighter. You're, you're going to have, these, these three are going to have relationships with the other two that, you know, you, you may not be a part of, or they have, they have a history there. Is that what you have? Someone. Someone? Yeah, kind of, you know, I, know, I know from different areas. That's right. They don't necessarily know each other. Know each other. So they may not use the others as right. their back. And so, you know, and two of them, uh, my three, know each other. All three know each other. Yeah. But two lean on each other. The third one, not so much. But, you know, these are the three guys I can count on. That, that, that I can count on at any moment. It's not a mentorship. Mentorship's differently. I got an older man mentoring me. And then I have a, a, a Christian man that's mentoring me outside of work, in my, in my work. And then, I, and then I meet with a man who is not a Christian, by the definition of Christian. He is, uh, I meet with him once a month, and he is a shrewd businessman. And I find that to be enriching, because in my life, and in what I do, uh, I have found that those that are not, are not inoculated by the church, they're very shrewd. And they come with a different approach. And I take that counsel with words of wisdom and discernment. And I go, okay, I can take that. I can see that. I can see that where that's, that's in my best interest of self-preservation. And I didn't see that because of not a Christian filter, but because I'm a little bit immune to that. And that, that counsel is wise to me. Plus the influence I have on him on a monthly basis. So how do we do this? Your question right there. Sunday morning Bible study, SBS. Sunday morning Bible study. Got to get involved in church. Guys, got to get involved here. Uh, GM6, been saying this all over again. GM6, this is the first level of community for the men. So on October 17th, October 17th at 8.30 a.m., got my six. And there are preconditions, though. GM6, you have to have confidentiality, transparency, and commitment. Flat out. No venting. Men do not vent. Women vent. Men unpack and unload. Okay? So let's get rid of that vernacular. I was venting the other day. No, you weren't venting. You were unpacking. You were unloading. So next time you say, hey, honey, i got to vent to you, you go, no, no. I have to unpack my day, honey. I have to unload my day. So pick the words carefully, okay? Women vent. All right. Lastly. 
Yeah. And this is this is this. Huh? Uh, I think that's an interesting word to use unloaded for that because a weapon that's unloaded can't be fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Extremely good point. So a weapon that's unloaded cannot go off. Wow. To go with that. Okay. And this this is from this is from Milton. He said, Be a man. Nut up. A man alone is in the danger zone. Men are leaders, guys. Men are leaders. So start a men's small group. Get involved in a men's Bible study like this. It's topical, but it is a Bible study. And, and thanks, thanks to Milton for getting more scripture in this thing. And then get involved in church. I know y'all are. Get involved in church. Because and, and, that is God's community. That is God's plan for civilization is the church. That's how we do it. Any thoughts or questions? It's been fun, guys. Let's close in prayer. Um, I want to remind you guys about some upcoming men's opportunities. The Great Adventure on Sunday night, starting on October 11th. This Sunday, this Sunday right? GM6. Um, you were asking about a Wednesday night class. Winning at home, work at home starting in January. And then um, we're having a field day at Memorial Park on November 7th. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you for who you are. You're an amazing God. We thank you that you are the God of fellowship and you've made us, you wired us this way, wanting to crave it, Lord. Lord, we thank you that as we pursue fellowship with men, we, we pursue a Christ-centered fellowship with you in the middle. Thank you, God, for this opportunity. I thank you for the men in this room. Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We would love to have you come in person. We meet Wednesday evenings from 6 to 7.30 at Houston's First Baptist Church. More information is on the web at houstonsfirst.org, houstonsfirst.org. Again, have a blessed day.